Welcome to the Walkertown Report. Uh, my name is Dwayne Walker, and our guest today is a filmmaker whose work that you can currently see on Tubi and streaming. Um, one of them is uh, The Killer Clown Meets the Candy Man. He's got a new, new movie coming out, um, The Cannibal Killer, story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Here he is, uh, Pete Jacqueline. Thank you for taking time out of your uh, schedule uh, to, to talk with us here. And... Uh, why, why don't we start out with your most uh, with your most current movie right now? People want to see your most latest work. That's the one that they will be going to, right? The the Killer Clown uh, meets the Candyman. Yes, uh, the the real story of Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, I've I've always been fascinated, Dwayne, with serial killers. I mean, there's so many of them um, out out there in the world now. Um, your scientists believe there could be, not, psychologists believe there could be as many as 13 million sociopaths, and of that. Um, as many as as one in in a couple of hundred could could be could have serial killer tendencies. So so they're all they're all they're out there. They're they're the real monsters of the earth. And just a little bit just just before I get into the movie, if you don't mind, um, it's all about horror and and uh, monster movies. That's my passion, making horror movies. And if you think about it, uh, throughout history, um, the monsters that we've come to to love are really uh, evil embodied in human form, like vampires, zombies. Well, they're all fake, but what's real are serial killers, and they are evil embodied in in, in human form. They, they look normal. Some of them were like, like well, Jeffrey Dahmer was, uh, you know, very well connected. Uh, he, all his uh, his neighbors loved him. They tried to fix him up with with, with girls. Of course, he didn't like girls. He liked he liked guys. Uh, permanently, <laughs> um, but but serial killers fascinate me. So uh, recently, I've been obsessed with uh, doing real, historically accurate uh, serial killers and giving them a human uh, a human spin by using actual quotes. So the real story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, we have a great uh, actor, Giancarlo Herrera, playing uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and uh, and and and. We we try to present them in a humanistic way, but unlike Hollywood, no holes barred when it comes to the murders. We we show exactly what happens uh, as accurately and realistically as we can. And as a result, the movie is you know sometimes controversial. People sometimes you know leave leave the theater <laughs> prematurely. But um, yeah, I'm very proud of the movie Jeffrey Dahmer: The Real Story of uh, or, or uh, the Cannibal Killer: The Real Story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, yeah, so, I do important to think that, but the last one that I saw, which was uh, the the Killer Clown meets the Candyman, was almost kind of a, a historical revisionism in a way, like bringing the two together. I mean, we don't uh, know. Yeah, like yeah yes. Now, now, now Hollywood's done that before. You know, like the uh, the House of Frankenstein. They, you know, they they used to bring like Frankenstein with Dracula. So we were thinking, you know, suppose a couple of serial killers met. So we have John Gacy, who uh, killed about thirty three young men. In the 70s, um, in uh, Chicago, we have him meeting up with Dean Coral, who was almost at the same time uh, murdering young men. He killed about 30 as well in Texas. So we, we kind of put them together. And uh, it turns out that after our movie was made, there's been some recent speculation that they might have met or they might have at least been, been aware of each other. And, and you know, what they've been doing and almost copied each other even before law enforcement. Uh, came in. Um, it's it's a really interesting movie. The Killer Clown, Mr. Candyman, John Gacy. We have uh, Jeremy uh, Woodworth playing. Uh, he's a, pers- uh, a Pogo impersonator. Travels around the country imitating Pogo 
and insults people. Uh, and uh, playing Dean Cora, we have Edward X. Young, extraordinary actor. And uh, the movie's won Best Picture and Best Actors. Both actors have won some awards. It's a very disturbing movie. The Killer Clown meets the Candyman. And the sequel is um, The Cannibal Killer, the real story of Jeffrey Dahmer. And now we're making the third movie, which is going to be an anthology of various serial killers, like Ted Bundy, uh, Dennis Nielsen, uh, The Son of Sam. And the movie will be told by these actual killers narrating, uh, even as I'm narrating, and then it'll cut to their various crimes. And I, I think it's, it's going to be pretty unique, and I don't think anybody's attempted that uh, scope of, of, uh, of film, uh, realistically, historically based, no holes barred, showing the murders, but yet being as respectful as we can to, um, you know, the, the real victim of, the, of these crimes. It, it, um, interesting about <laughs> Ted Bundy. I mean, I remember that was happening uh, when I was in high school, you know, just kind of dating myself at that time, you know, at that time. But uh, I was actually living in Lake City, Florida, when Kimberly Ann Leach was kidnapped. Wow. What, yeah. In, 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 incredible. Yeah, I, I, I remember when that happened, and I remember John Gacy and these films. People are fascinated with serial killers. Uh, um, I, I don't know why. You know, they're, they're almost like the antiheroes. But um, the mainstream media, you know, is, is always uh, Netflix and, and uh, uh, the Crime Channel, uh, the History Channel. They're always coming out with shows about serial killers. But what, what, what they, they fall short. They don't show anything. They just, uh-huh. you know, like, we want to, we want to see the meat and potatoes. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm, I'm known for shooting death scenes. You know, I've shot death scenes in my films since since the early '90s, and uh, you know, we, we like depicting you know, you know the, the real horror. As much as we can, so that, that's what our, you know, what makes our movies stand apart. Um, they're entertaining, but yet, uh, you know, when it comes to to the murders, uh, what can I say? <laughs> well, going going back to to the very beginning, I do remember uh, the the first movie that I saw that you actually direct or not directed but wrote, wrote uh, mm-hmm. and involved with was Duck, and I I actually arranged <laughs> two screenings of that in Long Beach, California, back wow. in uh, back in the early two thousands. And uh, I got some. some, some I do remember when you screened that, uh, Dwayne. Thank, thank you so much. Oh, you're you're you're, you're quite welcome. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I remember like, during, during some of the more graphic scenes, the audience, uh, the, the you know, the, the the audience I was there, that little gallery, some of them were actually like jumping and cheering, and I'm like going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. To take this. <laughs> Well, yeah, Duck, Duck, Duck was unique. Well, my, my background is um, I've been doing independent films since uh, 1995. That, I think, pretty much dates me. And uh, I, I was involved in the project Psycho Sisters. And I met a couple of young filmmakers uh, who contributed music to that project, Bill Hellfire and Joey Smack. And Bill Hellfire and Joey Smack formed Factory 2000. And they were very prolific back in the, in the late 90s doing uh, very uh, controversial underground films. And they, we became friends. When Columbine happened, I mean, of course, everyone was was upset. It was it was a tr- incredible uh, disaster. But we were fascinated by, you know, the, the exploitation that took place from mainstream media. I mean, all of a sudden, mainstream media was uh, exploiting the victims. First of all, um, they they blamed uh, rock music. They they blamed the internet. Uh, they blamed video games. You know, they, it was just ridiculous. So Bill and I got together and we wanted to, to, to make a movie that was a social satire that was, uh, a, you know, a, a social satire, but, um, 
that discussed the, how, how this really happened, how high school shootings really happened, the dynamics of the students, uh, the bullies, the, uh, the, all the stereotypes that we know, the jocks and, and uh, the nerds. So we came together with this idea. I, I threw together some ideas, and we co-wrote it. We wrote it with some high school students and some college students at the time. But we did it one month after Columbine. We kind of did it in, in, in secrecy. And uh, the movie came out uh, early in um, that, that same year, or, or, or early the following year. Columbine happened in April. The movie came out in um, December. And um, it, it was met with uh, a, a lot of controversy. We had a screening at CBGB's and at William Patterson. And uh, we got in trouble because one of the scenes that we shot was in a, uh, a school. And we had the actors, Bill and, and Joey, with, with the actors, and we had them taking out guns. It's a very, a very good scene in the movie. You see them taking out guns and walking toward the school with these guns. And we shot about 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday in the middle of the summer at this school. But the police saw it. They were, they were tipped off by somebody, and the police saw it, and they said, wait a minute. You've got guns on school property. That's like, that's, that's, uh, that's a crime. So they arrested, they arrested the filmmakers. They arrested, uh, Bill and Joe. And I got in trouble. Uh, I, I was behind the camera, so I, I wasn't arrested, but I was investigated by the FBI. And, uh, we, you know, we, we, it was, it was a terrible, a terrible thing. We were on all the news, news net, net, networks one night. I mean, every NBC, CBS, they, they were talking about Khan, and it made it sound like we were the criminals. You know, copycat, copycat, we were copying Columbine, we were making fun of Columbine. I don't think anybody actually saw the movie, any of the, the news broadcasters. They just focused on how evil we were to, to make fun of this event. After the pandemic and after the whole crisis with Hollywood movies and all, everybody's trying to keep their budgets down. And over <laughs> here in, in uh, Las Vegas, well, we got a place called the uh, Indie Film Factory where they occasionally give uh, seminars. And all. one thing they're really emphasizing is micro-budgeting. And it uh-huh. occurred to me, that's what you've been doing this whole time since the 90s. Yep, yep. It's not about big budget. It's about, um, you know, trying to create as high a production value as you can with what you have. I mean, obviously you need a good camera and you need some lighting and, and, and good sound. But it's not about it's not about budget. I mean, a duck costs just a couple of thousand um, that was mainly like pizza pies and things like that, uh, you know, for, for, for the actors. And, and even nowadays, so, you know, we keep the budgets down. Uh, you know, every, everybody gets paid, but, um, you know, we don't hire uh, a million people. We don't have, you know, high-end catering. Uh, and, and we're able to produce what, what I feel are um, big-budget-looking movies for our level. I mean, we're, we're low-budget independents. I mean, you know, we, we can't compare with Hollywood, but I think what we produce – Stands up to, to some of the work in Hollywood's broadcast quality. Some of the yeah. stuff gets picked up and appears on television. And uh, Netflix used to screen some of my movies, but I mean they're they're, they're not very friendly now. The independents, uh, Amazon is is a venue that we've also screened. So uh, yeah, Duck 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 was Duck was amazing. And uh, what's really amazing, it's been re-released all these years later, like 20, 20 25 years later on Blu-ray. Uh, we remastered it from the original. Uh, Tapes and it's uh, you should get it. It's it's uh, it's it has a whole new a whole new life and hopefully a whole new audience. I think kids nowadays might be shocked by um, you know by by what we did. And, and citizen, it's still going on. There's still high school shootings and I know. N- 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 nothing nothing is has has changed. 
you know, but, uh, that, that was, that was a lot of fun, fun to make. <laughs> Duck, Carbine well, High Massacre. Well, yeah, when, the, when this, when, when, when it, when it came out, I remember one thing that almost every article that I read, read on, on the subject was that the people who were working in the movie, some of them were high school students themselves. So it created the impression that these were, uh, high school students making a problem about an issue that was actually concerning them. And, uh, let's see, I, I, we did talk about it, I believe, before the recording, but, uh, could, could high school students even get away with making anything like that <laughs> in this environment? No, I don't think high school students would have the balls to do anything like, like what we, we did back, back then. Uh, and we did allow the high, uh, student, uh, actors to contribute as much as they could in terms of, um, you know, if they had any ideas. It was mainly, uh, Joey Smack and, uh, Bill Hellfire that, that did the bulk of the writing. Uh, Joey Smack in particular, who's, who's passed on, you know, I don't know if you know that uh, Joey Smack died, uh, two years ago. Um, he was one of our film partners and I, I contributed a, a lot. I think I contributed more of the satirical elements, whereas, uh, Joey and, and Bill contributed more of the, uh, the, the social aspects about uh, how how kids act in, in those days, and, and it was interesting. You know, we got a lot of hate mail from the parents of, of the real Columbine, but I got a, a beautiful letter from a, an actual Columbine student that saw the movie, and and she said, and I, "I I still remember the quote as if it, as if I got the letter uh, yesterday." Um, Duck, uh, it, it's too disturbing to watch, but too truthful to look away from. So here's the impression of an somebody who actually survived Columbine. Saw the movie and thought, "Hey, wow, you know, these guys knew what they were doing." Um, you know, we, we really tried to get into the and nobody has names. They're all like the jock, the nerd, the Bible girl. They're all stereotype people, except the killers. So we're criticized for taking the point of view of the killers, but it really doesn't. It tries to analyze the situation in a truthful way, not a biased way. I mean, we don't favor the killers; we hate them because they, well, I mean, they, you know, they did very bad things. But there was a reason why they did that, and and I think, you know, we didn't think about that uh, uh, enough uh, then or now. You know why these things happen. I mean, something happens. Like, oh, a cop shot a guy. Well, yeah, but what happened like the, the day before and the week before? Like, how, how did this lead up to this? Right. And and that's something that I think filmmakers should um, expound more. You know, the reason why things happen socially and politically, not not just the event itself. So I, I think it's an intelligent movie, and it still stands up uh, today. I wish we shot it a little you know, better. I mean, there was no digital back then. It was like SVHS tape, you know, so it's kind of grainy. But, uh, hey, what do you want? It, it, is, it is what it is. <laughs> well, well, one picture that uh, kind of resonates with me more now than it did then was the janitor. And uh, we, we were talking <laughs> about this before the taping. <laughs> and... Uh, and the thing about him is, is he's like a magnet of conspiracy theories, pretty much. And um, we were mentioning, I have forgotten that there were conspiracy theories going on. Of course, yeah, the yeah. Blame, trying to blame rock music and all for it. But today, yep. it's through the roof with people saying that, some people saying that these things never even happened. That, you know, that, that's that, that's right, the moon landing and, and high school shooting. Yeah, well, back then, they, they thought that, that, that one of the conspiracy theories was that the, the boys, the, the the kids that that uh, the Columbine killers uh, were influenced by the government, or perhaps somebody was they, they were hypnotized, or their their brains were altered, um, and there was a third shooter, a third killer, and you can even see some, you know, there's I think there's still some videotapes where you see a person and supposedly the third, you know, the third gunman or the third killer 
Um, oh, I forgot so about so that. we try to exploit exploit that. You know, did you know that I I I, I am I play the janitor in that movie? Oh wow! <laughs> so you're you're the, you're the janitor. Don't tell anybody, but yeah, that's me. Because <laughs> you don't see my face, you know. I mean, uh, so I guess I could well, get right, now for it. Yeah, so you're just wearing like kind of a hazmat suit through the whole movie, practically. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually the one that blows up the school at the end. Like, so I guess I could be accused of carrying this. We said this. It was, it was made from a propane tank. It was a bomb. And I do appear on school property with this. So I, I suppose um, all these years later, I could get in trouble. Okay, backtrack. You, you, you mentioned you mentioned something, and I, I, I realized that I, I was mistaken on one point. You know, I was, I was referring to Doc like it was one of your earliest movies, but then you were saying that. You were working on Psycho Sisters at the time, so yeah. um, uh, so I thought it sounds like that you yeah yeah, yeah Duck happened in 1999 um, right. I, I believe 1999 uh, Columbine shooting was uh, was April 20th I believe 1999 my first yeah. film was 1995 uh, in collaboration with Wave Studios who, who you, you may have heard of uh, Psycho Sisters and that actually is is uh, it's about serial killers about female serial killers back then you know. There was a lot of these slashers where, where women were getting killed. I was one of the first to like ch- turn things around and, and have male victims, which I still do now. I'm I, I'm, I'm attracted or interested in uh, male victim serial killers like John Gacy, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and back then we did Psycho Sisters, uh, where where they lure these college students. It's it's a revenge film. Their their younger sister is raped and murdered. And they go on a revenge spree, and they they lure these college students to their house, and they seduce them, and then they kill them, and they they cut off their uh, their dicks and okay. uh, put them in jars. And uh, that movie also was pretty, you know, pretty <laughs> pretty out there. <laughs> and that uh, that that also got the royal treatment recently, and has been re released on on Blu-ray. And even before Duck, you know, we did a film, Psycho Sisters, too, with J.J. North and Theresa Lynn. Uh, uh-huh. in collaboration with Mike Rasso from uh, um, EI Studios. And, and that movie got an international distribution. It's been in uh, maybe four or five languages. Uh, Psycho Sisters, you should uh, check it out. And that's, uh, we're remastering that uh, on 4K for release next year. So some of this old stuff is definitely uh, coming back. But, I, no, I've been, I've been making stuff since the 90s, and uh, I, I love it, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just, a, it's just a lot. I'm not going to stop. Uh, it's right. just a lot of, a lot of fun to, to keep on doing it. <laughs> in, in, today, in today's age where we're streaming things, mm-hmm. we're streaming more and more, what is the big difference uh, between how you're approaching making movies, pitching projects and all today versus how you would do it, say, back during the mid-90s? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it sucks. You know, back then there weren't a lot of people doing what we were doing. There was a, there was a few people shooting on um, on video, uh, shot on video. Uh, J.R.R. Bookwalder comes to mind, uh, The Dead Next Door, incredible filmmaker. Um, Stuart McRae. There's just like, I, you know, uh, Bill, Bill and Joe, of course, Factory 2000. Uh, I, I was doing it. And, uh, but now, I mean, every, you know, any soccer mom with a camera can shoot a, can shoot, you can shoot a film on your, on your phone. So there's a lot more out there. Uh, and frankly, I hate to say, but a lot more crap. Now, back in the old days, we would seek distribution, and we used to get maybe ten, twenty thousand dollar advance, uh, which is not a, a tremendous amount of money. But now you look for distribution; they'll say, "Okay, you pay us, and then we'll try to get your film distributed." It's very difficult to get a distribution deal. Uh, I used to sell a lot of DVDs on on my old site. I used to have the Serial Killers Underground site back in the 
uh, in the late 90s and sell a shitload of DVDs. Now, if I sell like one, um, you know, every couple of weeks, it's, it's a lot, everything is streaming, everything is digital. So it's a lot more difficult to get distribution deals. You've got to, you know, you've got to get into, uh, you know, Amazon or, or Netflix if you're lucky. Um, and, and the streaming pays shit unless you hit on something, hit the big time, which, which I never did, unfortunately, like the Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity. These are examples of our level of filmmaking that just, you know, hit the right chord and were picked up for major distribution deals, like million dollar deals. Uh, most of us still doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm doing okay, but, um, you know, haven't, haven't hit the big time. I figured out a way to, um, to market my uh, download to downloads um, digitally, and uh, you know make 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 some money, but uh, most filmmakers are really are really struggling in uh, you know in, in doing it. You just hope that it gets picked up, and you land a distribution deal, make a few bucks, or at least make your money back. But no, it's to- it's totally different different now. There's still opportunities. I, I would yeah. never discourage a young filmmaker from from trying to create something, but you really got to be different and unique, and I, mean, I I think what we're what we're doing, what I'm doing, I, I think is a little bit different and unique, and I think that's why I'm I'm still I'm still alive, and still uh, able to produce uh you know new 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 stuff. And thankfully, people are starting to look at our old stuff again. The stuff shot on right. videos is having a new life. I mean, VHS is coming back. I went to a VHS convention um last year actually. You know, pre-COVID. Wait, wait, VHS convention. V- VHS. V- v- you know tape video tape. And it was amazing, you know, the people that are trading and, and trying to acquire old video. T- I got a whole shitload in my closets back here. I pulled out an old first edition of my original movie. They sell for like a couple hundred bucks. Like you know, people are, are now collecting the like records are coming back. So I think there is a whole revival of uh, some of the uh, you know, pre-digital content, thankfully. But um, no, things things are different. It's very difficult to make it as an independent filmmaker now. Like I said, you really have to be, you have to hit it. You have to have to you know hit well, something. I mean, I remember you know back then the thing was okay. How many conventions can we go to? How many film film festivals? Now I'm thinking, would you just ditch your film festival budget and just hire a film aggregator or some? I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but somebody. Well, that that is, that is an option. Yeah, that, that's an option. I've, I've, I've been approached by people that say, well, you know, for a fee, they can, they can get our film out there. And, and, um, so I, I think that is an option for many filmmakers. Uh, there, there still are distribution opportunities and there's still some, uh, distributors out here that'll pick up your film. I just don't know if, uh, you know, how much money, <laughs> money you're going to make from, from that. And the convention is another, another route. I just did the Chiller Theater horror convention a couple of weeks ago. Halloween weekend, and that had been obviously closed you know, since pre-COVID. But I had a table, and I had some of my actors there. I had Ed, Ed X, who appears in a lot of my movies, Edward X Young. Uh, Johnny Link was supposed to be there. You know, he, he died, though. Jo- Johnny Link passed away uh, oh, yeah. uh, just a couple of days ago. He was in Duck, and he was in a lot of my old movies. A great film, uh, independent film actor. But uh, I had a table. I had my stuff. And, um, yeah, it's amazing how many people... You know, actually know, know me <laughs> and want want to some of my old stuff, and uh, you know, we, we met a lot of other filmmakers, a lot of fans. So that that is a way to also market your film, to hit the film festivals, uh, hit the hit the horror conventions, which are thankfully starting to come back now. Um, the the New, Jer- New Jersey Horror Con was actually just today in Atlantic City. I didn't attend. My film screened, uh, the, the Jeffrey Dahmer film screened uh, two months ago, 
in Atlantic City. It was nominated for Best Picture, but it, uh, <laughs> it didn't get it. What are, what are the big conventions out here where I'm at? I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas. Uh, do, do, do you have any conventions coming up in 2022 over here? In, in Vegas? You know, um, a couple of years ago, I, I, I did do a, a film fest when I was with my my, my old partners from um, um, Scream Kings. We were out in Vegas, and we did a film festival. But, uh, no, is, is there anything good out there? I mean, what's, uh, what's, you know, do they have any horror conventions in, in Vegas? I would think they have a lot. Well, you know, the conventions kind of took a dive last year, uh, in 2020. You're just coming to life now, right? Right. Uh, it's just opening up. Uh, right. So, so we do have a few that are coming up. Uh, I, I, I keep hearing that it's always like almost after the fact, like after it's already happened. Mm-hmm. Like we had something, uh, Bruce Campbell was, was over here for something over the Plaza Hotel. So oh, cool. there was some kind of a horror fan thing going on over there. I, I would love to come out there and, and, and visit and visit you. You should organize something. Yeah, I, 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 oh, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, I just, that's what I'm asking in advance so I can prepare for 2022 for anything that might be coming on out here. So. That, 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 that's, that's right. How is it there? How's the lockdown? Are you, are you like, oh, is everything open now? I, I know the Beatles show opened up again. And, you know, by, by, by and large, it is. We're finally allowing uh, foreign tourists to come, and that's really the bread and butter. Right. Uh, that really was. Uh, I, I, I had I had been working, by the way, uh, as a tour booker, and I remember when the lockdowns were just slowly starting to happening, and you know, mm-hmm. it was like, well, is this going to be? Is this for real or not? Like, I hear that they're closing down in Washington. Are they going to be closing down in Vegas? And then just seeing how it gradually happened, and during the lockdown. There was no, but nothing was on the street. You can see YouTube movies were oh my god! And I'm spending my time watching movies like The Last Man on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have good memories of the lockdown. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, it. It. it, it, We were in the same thing. I was. I was in the middle. I I was starting that third movie, and I was booked. And and it was just the same weekend that they, they they locked down. I had to cancel everything, and we were going going nuts. Um, you know. But uh, but but you know I I made a movie during the lockdown. Did, did you see my movie? Um, oh, yeah, take, yeah. Take, take my breath away. Uh, I was going crazy. So we we wrote a screenplay uh, that involved thirteen actors. So I contacted thirteen of my favorite actors, mainly film students, high school kids, college kids, and I gave them a script. And they 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 shot it in their own homes in, in, because we were in quarantine. You couldn't go out. I mean, you're right. The streets were dead. And we put together this horror film. It's on YouTube. You should look it up. Uh, take my breath I away. I think yeah, my brother, it's free on, on YouTube. And, uh, it, it's about the quarantine and it's about kids that are locked in their rooms and, uh, a, a demon contacts them through the internet and, uh, tries to get them to say these magic words and, uh, you know, kill them. And it's, it's, a, I didn't write it. It's a fairly intelligent script. Uh, so we, we were busy even during the quarantine. Uh, and then when, when things opened up, um, you know, I started shooting again. But no, it, it, it hurt a lot of people. But thankfully, people were still creating. We still tried to write, uh, create music, create films, uh, as, as best we could, even during the lockdown. And I think in a lot of ways, independent people did better than mainstream media who were, uh, you know, they were coming out with this, these dumb TV shows and, you know, shot in their houses. Uh, I think some filmmakers did some better stuff, uh, some independent. It was incredible. National television was looking like YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was not as good as YouTube. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, it, it's open, and uh, we're still careful. There's still mandates we have to maintain yeah. and uh, on set. Now, we're non-union, so we're not as strict as Hollywood, but um, 
you know, we, we try to be safe. I, I still shoot with minimal cast and crew, uh, small scenes. I won't do any big productions, uh, yeah, because it's not over yet. You know, I mean, there's, there's still, right. you know, still a lot of insanity going on, and uh, you do have to be be careful. But no, I'm I'm, I'm very prolific and um, always working on you know on, on new projects as as best best we can. Thank you for listening to the Walkertown Report. Links to any product discussed on the Walkertown Report may be found in the description. If you do not have access to the description, please visit walkertown.com for more information. Thank you for listening to the Walkertown Report.